0: Dogs matter for his podcast. I'm Jeremiah Short. I'm filling in for our fearless leader, Arthur, until he uh gets his internet connection back up. So he'll be joining us probably a little later on. But for now, it'll just be me and Derek holding it down.
1: Yeah,
0: Um I going to am not to argue all night. <laughs> uh, our topic tonight, we're going to be talking about just training camp so far, or fall camp so far, offensive side of the ball, the defense side of the ball, all the storylines. And then Derek's going to share a bit of uh, just updates on Bulldogs in the NFL and some of the news items going on in Bulldog Nation. then after that, we're going to break down the linebacker and that position going into the season. Um, But to just start it off quickly, um, first, Derek, like, man, how you feeling right now?
1: Man, I'm feeling good. In just a couple weeks, we're going to be getting a chance to see where our Bulldogs are on the year two of Joe Moorhead. I'm excited, right. man! I can't wait to see U of L and Mississippi State take the field in the Superdome. Just depends on if I'm going to be watching on TV, in the stands, or in the press box. So I'm just trying to wait and see exactly, you know, uh, if those cars are going to file for me to get credentials to this football game. So I'm really, really hoping that I can get credentials so I can give our listeners uh, some inside coverage uh, of the game and just up close to person with our Bulldogs, Jay. Eh?
0: All right, man. If you anybody in MSU uh, sports uh, office, man, just uh hook that up for my boy Derek, man. So you know, Black Dogs matter can be represented at the first Mississippi State uh, football game. But well, let's kind of get into the bulldog talk. That's what the fans want to hear about. Let's kind of just start with the offensive side of the football so far in training camp. There's been a lot of news coming out. I'm just gonna start with the first thing. Um, as I was just looking at the depth chart that Paul Jones posted on 247 Sports. Um, he posted that Tommy Stevens was taking the uh, the first reps. We keep on uh, seemingly having a little nick where they held him out of practice today, or he was limited today at practice. Um, First, Derek, just talk about like the quarterback position so far, and then also just kind of expand on that and talk a little bit about like how valuable that is. Tommy Stevens getting one day where he kind of can just be the guy.
1: Well, I mean, this quarterback battle. I mean, it is dividing fans. You got folks for KT, got folks for for Thomas Stevens. You even got the Moose Maiden crowd. Me and Gabriel uh, are the Moose Maiden boosters. I mean, here's the thing: the quarterback position is what is going to make sure that we have a successful season. Even with a starter, a star like Nick Fitzgerald, we struggled in the passing game. You know, we now have a head coach who wants to throw the ball down the field. And he went and got a former protege of his to come in and compete with incumbent Keeton Thompson. And from what I have seen in the videos that I've watched and from other reports that I've read over the internet, just gleaning over, reading over uh, reports, it's kind of even. I mean, Keaton is bringing his A game. He's not going to just let Stevens come in here and just take his spot. And I'm glad I'm glad he's not going to put a Tate Martell, I hope, you know, making a joke on Tate Martell, who transferred from Ohio State to Miami, talked all that noise and then lost the quarterback battle and then didn't come to practice. So, you know, Keaton is going to be in for a long haul, I hope. Now, as far as Keaton being held out of all the drills, of course, he had a, a pad on his elbow as Paul Jones' report stated, and that gave Thomas Stevens the chance to take all of the reps with the ones. And I'm pretty sure Jomo probably gave Maiden or Schrader some reps with the ones too. You know, you know, you know. But Thomas Stevens got a chance to just soak in, feel like he's the starter without Keaton Thompson being in all of all of the all of the drills. And for Stevens, that has to be something. You know, you getting you getting all the reps because he's hurt. But still, you got all the reps. And and that allowed him to I guess take command without having to have his rhythm interrupted by another quarterback taking away reps with the ones, which is gonna be beneficial for a quarterback who is just coming in, still building chemistry, still learning the teammates, and just trying to find his way from being a lion to now being a bulldog.
0: Right. Now I think like I I definitely think just touch on, like, Thomas even taking those snaps with the ones. I think it's just very – I mean, it's a great opportunity for him. It's a non-pad day as far as I can tell. But at the same time, like, getting the opportunity to just take all the reps and really get in rhythm with the receivers, and they get to see, like, hey, what does it look like when the only got throwing that ball? And with a position a position battle that looks pretty close right now, but I am encouraged that it does seem like KT, you aren't hearing too many practice reports, and that's really all we can go off right now. We're not seeing it live when even the media people only can observe so many uh, periods of practice. But it seems like KT being pushed by it. Now, I, and I like to pay attention to the other things outside of just the football aspect of them throwing the football, how accurate they are. I, I just was looking at the different interviews from uh, Tommy Stevens and Keithon Thompson. Even though I've never found Keaton Thompson to be the most loquacious or the guy that's going to be the big talker, I've noticed in an interview, Keaton doesn't seem too phased by the competition part. No, he doesn't. He he doesn't. But Tommy Stevens, what I've noticed is, and I I have no problem with a player being confident, no problem at all. But it seems like he's almost trying to talk himself into the position or talk others that he should be the guy. Like, isn't it wrong with that? In some ways,
1: go, go ahead. He should because this is last year. I mean, you got to look at where he came from, sitting behind quarterback at Penn State, uh, McSorley, and then possibly being the incumbent, had some injury issues. Then the young Lions, you know, I guess stole his thunder. And then he comes here and he wants to be the guy. Uh, he, he's been in the offense longer than anybody. So he may feel like he has the upper hand as far as what, Coach Joe Morehead once, because he's been around him longer than anybody.
0: Well, nothing. Well, I look at it just looking from an intangible standpoint. Like, I just feel like KT isn't phased and just kind of feels confident. It seems like Thomas Stevens is trying to talk himself up to that point or he doesn't feel as confident. I may be wrong. I may be judging it wrong. Like, I, said, I don't mind a guy being a little airy and a little cocky. Like, I have no issues with that. But I do kind of wonder, like, from an intangible standpoint, like, is it just I meaning KT just feels more confident out there in the field? And that's the guy I want out there playing. Uh, but and just that over, I do like the overall competition myself just so far and how the guys are pushing each, each other. And honestly, just right now, not I may, I may end up being wrong or put my foot in my mouth, but I feel really confident in that quarterback position going into the season. Because if, if the worst came to worst, which has happened in Mississippi State before, both of our quarters either get hurt or both of them falter, which I don't necessarily think is going to happen. I really don't. Uh, I definitely think of course that we have nowhere to go but up. I, I can really see a Garrett Schrader or a or even Jalen Maiden possibly getting in there next minute to do something. I don't think the quarterback will be a liability this season at all. But I don't really want to just stay on that position. Go ahead there.
1: You really think Schrader is gonna start over Maiden? I mean if, if if something happened to Keaton and Stevens? I, I think at this point the writing's on
0: the wall that Schrader's probably uh more his guy. I think if it came down to the fact if both say the both of the two starters were to get hurt or the two guys who's for the spot was to get hurt right now. I think Schrader is his guy, but I don't think it'll be where he's just the guy and they won't give Maiden a shot. But I think right now, just based off practice report, uh Schrader has been third in the depth chart ahead of Maiden so far. Like, I mean the writing is on the wall. That doesn't mean Maiden would never get a shot. And I know some like Maiden, but at the same time he's more his guy. Like, I mean I know fans like it, but Strader yeah. is more head guy. At some feel that Thomas Stevens is truly just a stopgap. Until uh Gary Strader uh, gets up to speed and has a year under his belt. He's more his guy. So I, I that doesn't mean Maiden can't make up the I, we just know what's up. Um right. Right. but let's move on and just kinda of like I think the running back position, I think everybody kinda of understands it's not outside of say a, a weather spoon is making some noise and kinda of like seem like he's kind of moving into that third running back slot. I don't know if Moorhead's really going to play the third running back guy, but I can see if he uh, has a game-breaking speed that he's shown himself to have. I'm sure they can find a role for him. Um, but Moorhead doesn't rotate guys a lot, so I don't expect him to rotate much outside of Calvin Hill and Nick Gibson, who looks like he's primed for a solid senior year. A exactly. guy that possibly could be a, a number two, a guy I personally feel should have transferred a long time ago. I feel like he's been done wrong. He's a really good running back. I've never seen him look anything but good when he plays. But, you
1: know, we need depth, man. You know, I mean, I understand that he hasn't been able to play as much as he would like, but he's a talent. And, yeah, uh, it's the coach's fault for not finding him more carries. And I'm glad Nick Gibson stood the test of time because uh, there was a time when he was thinking about transferring and his teammates talked him into staying. And I think it's going to work out for him because he's going to be. The back that gets the ball after Colin, there's no A train anymore. So I think Nick Gibbs. I, I think we could potentially have, if we run the ball, Colin have a thousand yards rushing. Nick Gibson could have six or seven, six or seven hundred yards rushing. Since we don't have a quarterback that's going to be running the ball as much as Nick Fitzgerald did last uh, year, <laughs> let me, let me give my Ricardo of man. Nick Fitzgerald need to just go home and don't play no more.
0: Has to be featured this year a lot more. And then exactly. if Hill was get hurt, this might be a chance to
1: kind of go out on top.
0: And then, you know, Weatherstone kind of emerging like as that reliable uh, third guy. And at least we have some semblance of depth at that position. But let's kind of move on to the receiver position, which has kind of been in some way bright spot as far as from the practice reports and seeing how wait, it's going to be this in
1: the season. You going to skip over the, the big uglies? The who? The big uglies, man. The offensive line.
0: I'm I'm making my way to the offensive line. Right now we're on the receivers. Um but the receivers looking right now, you have Stephen Gidry and Osiris Mitchell seem like they've solidified themselves as the outside guys. Then right now, Isaiah Zuber is moving away up the depth chart. Just in the most recent practice report from Paul Jane, that same depth chart he just released from the peers they saw, he's running with the twos now where he was running with the threes. And I think many expected that to happen, and I do expect him to start by the start, beginning of the season. Um, but he's making his way finally up that depth chart. And then I, I think a guy that uh, I say I called it, but Javante Payton seemed like a guy that's been impressing a lot, you keep hearing his name. Like, there's no guarantee that he'll start this year or how much he will play. I think he will be the number two guy behind Stephen no Gidry. Tyrus Mitchell, excuse me. Right now it's Malik Deer, but I just, yeah, just his I, I just don't see how you keep him off the field unless they right. find move one guy over there behind Guidry, um where WAP is at right now. But, you know, you hadn't heard a lot about WAP, even though it seems like he's lost a little bit of weight. He's a little more ready and a bit more primed to play this year. But at the same time, like, Javante Payton is going to find a way to play him. So, just, uh, Derek, talk a little bit about just how that receiver position has developed in 9-4 camp, which was kind well, of an eyesore last year, but now many are thinking that they may be a bit of an uh, asset um, this upcoming season.
1: Well, I'm going to talk about this guy first, Malik Deer, <clears throat> because he seems to have his swagger back. I mean, Malik Deer, when he came to Mississippi State as an athlete, wide receiver, running back. He played, also played quarterback in high school. He just had a gear that he could just – he was like the road runner. And when he got hurt, he didn't have the same burst. Well, looks like he has his swagger back, and I'm glad Mrs. State's is going to benefit from that if he does have his swagger back. To see him on, a, on the sooner depth chart where so many people want him to move over to running back, and he just has resisted that and wants to stay at wide receiver. And now he's running at two behind Osiris Mitchell. Now, our starters, look at our starters. We have two big wide receivers back in Osiris Mitchell and Stephen Guidry, both over six foot four inches tall. Both have long arms, long legs, and long striders. So uh, they're going to be taller than most cornerbacks they're going to face. So going up for jump balls, you know, possibly uh, depending on ball positioning, these two guys should win those battles. In the slot, you have Senior, Dedrick Thomas, but he's being pushed by Isaiah Zuber, and, of course, Austin Williams also. And you have to also look at Malik Deer in the slot as well. I actually think Javante Payton is going to factor into the slot too because uh, we know Joe mm-hmm. Lowe has said many times that he does not like to rotate receivers. But when you have so much talent, so I many players who can do things well – and there is not a dominant receiver yet. I mean, even though Gidry and Mitchell are leading turn receivers, they haven't been dominant. So I say play who's hot. If Devonta Jason gets in and beats a couple of DBs deep, you let him play. Same for Javante Payton. Play who's hot. Isaiah Zuba, we know what Isaiah Zuba can do. We saw what he did at Kansas State. Nobody on our team is as accomplished receiver as he is, as Zuber is in his career. So we know he's going to play once he learns to play, book. I think they're going to find a role for him. Definitely where players are going to be specifically targeted for him, created for him, where he's going to be the number one target. And, I, and you have to use that talent, especially when we struggle with having a number one receiver since Bear And, um, um what's wrong. the guy with the colorful hair? From Texas? Fred Ross. Fred Ross. Fred Ross. Since Baron Fred Ross have left, we have struggled to find a dominant receiver. So somebody has to step up. I don't care who it is. It could be Cameron Gardner from Starkville, High as a redshirt freshman. If he steps up, man, throw him the ball. Let him keep Sean Johnson it, man.
0: I don't think that's going to happen. But... <laughs> I don't expect that to happen, but I agree what you're saying about Javante Payton. I think what you'll see there, I think you know we have guys I think are going to be maybe and you you know uh, that Osiris Mitchell is going to play. You know that Stephen Getrich is going to play. You know that Zuber is probably going to play. You know those three are going to be your top guys. But I think after that, all the rest of those guys, you know, I think Payton's going to fill in in one of those slots. They either could be Deers' spot, it could be Dedrick De- 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 Thomas' spot, or it could be Devontae Jason. I think. I don't think Moorhead is going to expand beyond six receivers. Now, Javante Payton may be so dynamic that he can find a role for him. him. And I even saw where he started off playing running back, but he outgrew the position. So I can see if he's that talented a guy and those other guys are still performing, he may find a way just to kind of get them on the field. Even though I don't think that's really how his offense is structured. I don't think he's big on having uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like they call them gadget guys or anything? Gadget and players. I don't think he's a gadget player. I don't think he's that type of coach. I think he likes having – and I I see his philosophy, why he does it the way he does it. He doesn't like rotating receivers within series to telegraph what you're going to do. So, if you know whenever Javante Payton comes in the game, we're going to throw bubble screens. We're going to throw little plays like that. So, the teams know what's coming. So, I think he's going to have to settle in probably – or probably will settle in on the top six at the receiver position. And he will go from there.
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. Joe Moorhead used Tommy Stevens as a gadget player at Penn State. So we know Coach Joe Moorhead has the ability to utilize talent in different and Mm -hmm. unexpected ways. So it's possible Mm -hmm. that could happen.
0: Yeah, and I think it's kind of a good problem to have, to possibly have seven, maybe eight receivers. Austin Williams actually stepped up. So, I mean, to find a way to get all those guys on the field, uh, it goes a little against his nature, I think, just in a normal sense. Thomas Stevens might have been like a rare case, but at the same time, he doesn't strike me as a gadget player type of coach. Like, that doesn't seem like his style. But moving on from the receiver position, let's kind of get to the tight end slash offensive line. Right now, we know that Fred, a Farad green, excuse me, is the tight starting tight end. But I think the, thing, the most interesting part of the tight end position right now is uh, Jaquarius Five. Kind of making that push up the depth chart. He's running, um, with the twos and threes this time, depending on, in, uh, it was an injury today. He was running with the twos. Um, so, you know, he's making that push. And I heard, we heard his name all last year. Then at the offensive line, it seemed like it's fairly solidified most positions as far as who's going to start. You're going to have Tyree Phillips at left tackle, left guard is going to be Darian Parker right now. Center is going to be Darren Williams. Um, Stuart Reese at right guard. And then at right tackle, you're going to have, uh, not Tommy Champion, but Greg Island. And then you have some solid guys behind them with Tommy Champion, with Michael Story, with uh Dollar Bill, Contravius, uh Johnson. But you have some guys that potentially having a strong solid eight. So Derek, just talk about a little bit about Jaquarius Spivey kind of making that push up the depth chart, kinda of making a little noise as a guy potentially could help us this year. Then the overall depth of that offensive line right now, potentially have eight or nine guys that you can roll in and out.
1: Well, um, I really feel like Tummy Champion, this is his last year in maroon and white. And for a while, it looked like he may have beaten out Greg Island for that right tackle spot. But guess what? Greg Island says, I started all these ACC games last year. You're going to have to take my spot. And Greg Island got back in that number one spot. So to have a talent like Tummy Champion, who went to my high school, Callaway High School, behind Greg Island, I mean, I think that's going to be a a a good person to have behind Greg Island. Champion can also play guard because right now behind Darren Park, we have redshirt freshman Cameron Jones and uh, redshirt freshman Cole Smith, who's not going to play this year after transferring from LSU. Uh, So champion is going to probably rotate between right tackle and guard to provide depth. Uh, Dollar Bill is going to get his first taste of bulldog action, really, uh, as a redshirt freshman. And, of course, uh, in, in practice reports, Charles Cross is going to get four games, possibly, and then he's going to redshirt just to get his feet wet. But we know he he's there for the future. He's future. He's mm-hmm. down the road. So we don't expect him to help out. And also with Brandon Cunningham, also a true freshman, probably on a redshirt. Here's who I want to see make a jump. Sophomore Cordavian Suggs. Um, he's coming into a sophomore year, and I, I want to see him make a move. I want to see him compete whether it's at tackle, whether it's at guard, whether it's at center, wherever he is, I want to see him compete. Darrell Williams is our leader. He is on all these awards lists behind him. Two unknown players, Evans Evans Wickerson and Matt Stanek. And we also know that Christian Sharp has also been getting some work at center uh, just in case uh, Williams gets hurt. So uh, you got to have someone who can step the ball. And our offensive line has talent. I think Darren Parker can also play center if he had to, if if an injury happened. Here's the thing: offensive linemen, that's my thing. Without a solid offensive line, top to bottom, and without solid depth, there is no way you can have a successful offense in any form of football, Pee-Wee, high school, ACC, SWAC, Big T, it doesn't matter. If you don't have a solid offensive line, your offense is going nowhere.
0: Agreed. And I think and Ricardo will be joining us soon, fans, so you'll get to hear his perspective shortly on some of these matters. Um, but yes, Cordavian so it seems like he's a guy that not many are mentioning, but we have a lot of offensive linemen coming in. I do feel like if yes, he do. doesn't, if we don't, he doesn't because normally, I pay attention to what coaches say saying in interviews. Uh, I, I think most of the time they tell you nothing. But at the same time, pay attention sometimes to what they say. If they're not mentioning your name or they're not saying anything like this or they're mentioning your name a lot, it's normally for a reason. So They're making a special point to highlight you, but if they make a special, special point to never bring up your name, <laughs> then that that's normally means right in the If You got a five-star that they're already – they're talking more about this guy, talking about how he's 270 pounds, but he can hold his own, his feet his balance and all these great things. And he is a five-star. They're talking about playing him, but they're not really talking about playing you as a redshirt sophomore. Exactly. The right is on the wall. I could definitely see where you have Charles Cross starting at left tackle and Dollar Bill starting at right tackle next season. I definitely could see that happening. Um, but let's go on and try to, you know, switch gears a little bit and kind of move on to the defense side of the ball. And just just the contact fans, we don't want to discuss just training camp all at once. We kind of wanted to break down and let y'all know what's been going on so far at training camp. So that's why I kind of like broke it down the way I did, so we can kind of sit up there, really just really break down what's going on, so you know who's going right now, who's playing, who's moving up, who's moving down, and where we sit with that position. So uh, with that being said, let, let's talk about the defensive end, defensive line, and kind of defensive end is fairly set right now as far as who's going to be the guys. We have Kobe Jones, you have Fletcher Adams, you have drawing a bit of a blank. Uh, Chauncey Rivers, and you have who's the other guy? We have Marcus Spencer. So Marcus we have Spencer, a yes. very good defensive end. I think right now, Demonte Russell's going to have to play just based off practice reports, because we don't have that elite pass rusher. So wow. I think the coaches have designs on potentially he could be a third a third down type of guy, because we don't have that elite pass rusher guy. I think Chauncey Rivers is a guy that's going to get the quarterback, but I want to consider him an elite pass rusher that can get set that edge and be a guy that other teams fear. But if you bring in DeMonte Russell and in those low pressure situations, just being a third down guy and just going to get the quarterback, he's got it really can help our team. And as you mentioned, possibly sliding a Chuncy Rivers down to defensive tackle in a maybe a three man set. Um, which I've seen before us uh, use something similar to that, move him down, slide him down to that D tackle position and just let him go after it with uh, uh, DeMonte Russell on the outside, I think that could probably be a pretty effective. Uh,
1: do, you, do you know what his size is right now? Because I know in high school he was kind of like about he was a tweener,s like about two hundred.
0: Well, I, I think he's the guy that was talking about playing at linebacker. But I think I want to say Arden Key or one of those LSU guys wasn't even that big his freshman year. I think you could just set that edge and be that type of guy. I mean, why would you know coaches not play you? Because like we do like that elite pass rusher they got it. And the coach that mentioned that he's a potential elite pass rusher. He may be a guy you just play because all of our D linemen or D ends are juniors and seniors. So, I mean, why not play him and get his feet wet? Because he may start next year or have What a about
1: Jack to. Harris, another true freshman that can play outside linebacker play and year.
0: defensive end? I don't think anybody picks him to start this year. Um, I, I think he's a guy that yeah, maybe saying, a little you're, better.
1: You're saying that Russell's is going to be dependent on to possibly be a pass rusher. What about Aaron Odom? sophomore
0: Aaron Odom. Well, he potentially may start next year as well. Like, he's a guy that's probably – he may get in the mix this year. Uh, I definitely can see – I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those DNs slide down to D tackle. We keep we – having so many young guys there, you really can't – don't know who's going to pan out and who's going to be able to help us this year. So, when you look at that right. position at, at D-Tackle, you have, like, a lot, a lot of young guys. We have four or five either freshmen or redshirt freshmen on the depth chart right now. So that's a position, like, you have a Nathan Pickering, you have a Jaden Cromedy, you have a Devon Lovett, Robinson, Fabian it. And, um, and then those, oh, yes, a lot of and guys. My favorite, you really don't James Jackson. <laughs> yes. You really don't know who's going to step up. So that's just really a very just position where, you, I mean, it could be a situation where we could be in a great spot, my hope is that we don't have to slide down a market Spencer because if we do, that means those other guys just weren't ready. When well, you got five or six freshmen, so if they're not ready, but best case scenario, a couple of those guys are ready, and you essentially have your D-line of the future. You don't really have to do a lot of heavy recruiting, because your D-line is set for the next four to five years. Um, so, Derek, just what do you think about the overall how the D-line is developing? Um, um, the, of course, we have great depth at that DM position, but just like that
1: like uncertainty
0: right now at the D tackle position.
1: Well, here's the thing: uh, we had such a dominant front last year. I mean, to have Jeffrey Simmons, Corey Thomas, um, who was the other senior defensive lineman. Darn it, forgot his name. Uh, then Montez Sweat, and then Jerry Green. Uh, also, I mean, to lose all of that talent, man. I mean, uh, it's just – you know you're going to have a drop-off. You know you're going to have a drop-off losing all that talent. But but Braxton Hoyer, that was the other defensive tackle that we lost last year as a senior. But now you bring in – and there is Ricardo. Now you bring in, you know, Lee Autry, uh, Danico Autry's uh, younger brother, buying his time getting a chance to possibly start as a senior. And then you have all that youth behind him: Fabian Lovett, Jaden Crumity, Cameron Young, James Jackson, Nathan Pickering, Devin Robinson. I mean, these are going. This is going to be your defensive line of the future. So it's going. So these young pups are going to have to eat their apple and get ready to uh, to get on the big stage. You know, uh, become big dogs. You know, and, and, and start spearing some ball carriers coming through there. Yeah, that is a play on Roman Reigns. Um, we have talent and we have youth. You know, uh, after Chauncey Rivers leaves, Marquis Spencer will be back. Kobe Jones will be back. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Odom will be a junior. And we're going to be definitely bringing in some more defensive linemen behind these guys. King Ani, uh, who's going to redshirt this year, after hitting up from his injuries here in Curtin High School, he's also going to play into that defensive end depth. So we're primed to have a pretty good defensive line. In the future Now these young pups Like you said Are going to have to Eat their apple It was in bits Whatever dog food They want to eat Whatever shape That the, the uh, team Likes to feed the dogs You know And get them ready to play uh, Get their body strong And we're going to have to Depend on these young guys I mean there, There's just no Arguing it They're going to have to play Right So is Ricardo there now? Yes, Ricardo is here.
0: Yo, check out Ricardo, right? man. Bro, man, I had to. Br-
1: and there is Arthur, our fearless leader.
0: So, so Ricardo, yo, man, I had to break some bad news to you, man. What's up, Tommy Stevens? Running with the ones today. There's oh, no fear thing.
1: Yeah, I I've seen
2: where um I think that was, who, who I think that was you that uh posted that thing saying they saying he's he throwing a little bit better they saying KT doing better too but you know yeah hey just give just, all I wanted was to give have a chance to win that's it hey if if, if uh, Stevens in the win bro hey I think he gonna run two quarterbacks he gonna run two quarterbacks <laughs> too <laughs> that was oh, that's
0: yeah, Keaton was out because he was hurt, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, I he, just you wanted know, to see what your reaction was gonna be. Oh, okay.
2: But yeah, I you know, I think <laughs> that's what I think. I think he's gonna run a two QB system, man.
0: I think he's gonna pick right. one eventually. I think they'll I think they'll yeah. separate themselves. But the other guy's yeah. gonna have a real short leash. <laughs> yeah. It definitely ain't gonna be no Nick Fitzgerald situation for sure. Like, oh, it definitely man, ain't gonna no. be no Nick Fitzgerald. Situation. Nah, I, I think if they screw up this year, if you don't if you don't step up to the plate and you have an ineffective game, you out. Yeah. So and, and Ray Justin's you know you gonna... Go ahead, go ahead. No, nah, I was just seeing uh, that Ray you... J was there before I in. Yes, game. I am here. But I have no uh, idea what no. y'all are talking about. So just just to recap where we <laughs> at guys, just you know, uh fans listening, you know, uh, Arthur Hosey or or Arthur just joined us and Ricardo um just joined us. So, you know, I just asked Ricardo's uh, thoughts on the quarterback position and the fact that Tommy Stevens had a chance to run with the ones today with uh, KT being out. I did break the news to him that he was running with the ones without telling him that it was just because of the injury. But at the same time, uh, um, to both of y'all guys, we've pretty much already recapped the offense so far during fall count, the quarterback position, just the battle between KT and uh, Tommy Stevens, kind of bringing out the, uh, the best out of KT. Um, of course, Colin Hill's, the starter at running back and then Javante Payton and Isaiah Zuber kind of moving up the depth chart and guys making a lot of noise. And then kind of like the the depth we have on the offensive line position, having eight guys we can play right now. What we're discussing is, uh, the defensive line and just, of course we have a pretty good rotation at the end, but we are very unproven right now at deep tackle. So, um, I guess I'll shoot first to since Ricardo just spoke first at, uh, Arthur, I'm so used to calling him A.J. guys. I never call him Arthur. So, uh, so A.J., uh, what do you think right now just about that D-line position and the fact that, you know, we have so many unproven guys at that D-tackle position? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm starting to realize
3: I'm a lot better at hosting than being a panelist, but whatever. So, um, I think that the D-line position is going to be fine. I like uh, Chauncey Rivers. Uh, I like uh, – Whoever else is on the
0: line? Well, just remember
3: he's doing it for his mama. Yeah, (laughs) the the Archer kid. Um, do I think they'll be as good as last year? Uh, Absolutely not. But I think that they'll be extremely, you know, good. Um, you know, because to me, at this point in time, I feel as though that just about every defense, defensive line that we have, outside of maybe some of the Cheryl years, or you know, some of the most talented.
0: Ever in Mississippi State history, and I think that this year is um, definitely no different. Okay, so Carter, what do you think right now about that D line position? I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the practice reports and what everybody's been saying. What do you think about the D line position? Um,
2: I think that's really going to be the highlight of our defense, uh, and I'm going to go out on the stick and just say that uh, I feel like Chance really going to have a, a big breakout season. I feel like he's going he he's going to be a, be the X factor. He's going to mm-hmm. be the motor that makes the car run on defense. And I feel like, uh, man, it's going to... I think with with the talent that we have, I feel like this defense this year, just think, looking over everything and thinking about it the whole summer, I feel like this defense could probably be... I'm going to go against what Arthur said, man. I feel like this defense could probably be as, as good or better no. than last year's defense. <laughs>
0: Uh, You heard it here first, guys. Uh, I I, 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 I heard. I heard what you're saying. I don't 100 percent disagree. It's just you know, it's just even the Alabamas and these big schools. You lose a Jeffrey Simmons, who, in my opinion, is a top five pick. Without all the the other stuff that comes along with one bad incident in high school in the injury, you lose Mm -hmm. a Montez Mm -hmm. with an elite pass rusher. Even though Charles River, I do think I agree with you that he's primed for a huge season. And then you look at losing a Jonathan Abram, as we've seen from Hard Knocks. They even, even he's already making a name for himself in the NFL. The guys like Shannon Sharp are already coming in on. Them. So you lose, you lose the heart and soul of your defense. I do think there's gonna be some difference. Now, where I definitely 100% agree with you is you have to look at the level of the offense potentially coming up compared to how much the defense is gonna dip. Now the defense even. Goes down to being a top ten defense as compared to the best one in the nation, and our offense just becomes viable where you know they might score more than fifteen points. Um, I, I think it still lends credence to what you're saying, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but yeah, I, I I feel like this. Like I
2: got a good feeling about it.
0: Like this, I, I feel like he's gonna have I a do.
2: workout. He he's pretty much the X factor. Uh, it's gonna be. The, and then the thing about it, what what so different probably about pads situation with state pads uh defenses. these guys have gotten a lot of playing time they they rotated with the uh, other defense because we were deep and with the people behind them they're going to get more playing time so that that's going to even going to make it better for the, throughout the year because you have to have a defense have to have depth in the SEC like they're going to get a lot of their uh, get a chance to cut their teeth the first couple games with us playing uh Louisiana Lafayette Southern Miss uh, mm-hmm. they, uh, Kansas State. So, they, they're baby, and I feel like them guys—they they picked up and they learned quick. That's that's one thing I can say about the uh them this this uh core compared to the the past core. They they they've been pretty, picking up pretty quick. So that's just
0: my opinion. All right, so I'm gonna kind of skip over the linebackers because we're gonna do the linebacker preview uh last after Derek does his news. So I kind of just I just throw those two in together, and we're gonna just go to the defensive backs. Um, and just kind of like let the fans know right now who's with the depth chart. And the main thing we're kind of going I guess we can focus on is like the fact that, you know, we have some freshmen rising up the depth chart and there's a lot of new guys coming in and making a lot of noise. Um, but right now you have, of course, Cam Dansler who potentially can go pro after the season a lot. Hey, people expect him to do that. And then you have Maurice and starting on the other side at that boundary corner position. But, you know, the guys making noise potentially moving up the depth chart and Mark Emerson and Jaren Jones who have leapfrog Jalen Reed And as size I think Fudge, um, he's leapfrog those guys as true freshmen potentially playing um, over some of the guys like Tim Williams and some of these other guys. And then you look at the free safety position right now. You have C.J. Morgan Walker and Marcus Murphy. Strong safety, you have Landon Gidry sitting behind name escapes me, Jaquarius Landrews, and then Brian Cole and Fred Peters. So we have at least a solid two deep at that position. So. Um, I feel like it can make a, a big impact.
2: I, I feel like with them getting more experience, with, uh, with them cutting mm. their teeth and uh, running with the tools, that that, that means they can get experience out there. So in case, barring, God forbid, anything happening like injuries or something mm. of that nature, you know, already the experience will be there. And they'll get a chance to get out there. Like That's why I say they'll get, out, get a chance to get out there in those in those cream puff games that we're playing, especially the first game. Go out there and make a couple plays here and there, uh, flying around the field. And I, I feel like this probably from what I've seen and what I've heard, like this probably the deepest position we have at State, probably in a while since uh Jack Cheryl been there with and probably since Mother first got with when they, they basically had all freshmen started in the secondary. But yeah, I feel like uh with this with this uh cornerback group, with this secondary group, I wanna say this, this group probably just telling that the one we had in oh nine with, with Jonathan Banks and uh Broomfield and those guys. Uh, they they can be better than them. I feel like they could be way better than them because they're more athletic uh, and their footwork. Is, some of those guys I know with Smitherman, his footwork is better. Um, our dancer, I, I can go. I know. I, I feel like he can. He, his great. He can. He can really be great. He could probably be a first round pick this year. You know what I'm saying? I I, I went on records the same, telling people back at home that uh, Smitherman. Uh, not a dancer. Dancer probably could be up there with Jonathan Banks a better, from what I've seen. Because Jonathan Banks, even faster. though he won the, th- huh? I think he's a little faster. Okay, but uh, no, yeah, he's he's, a little, but yeah, he's a little faster. And then for one, he's more athletic. He's he's better with his hip work, uh, and his footwork. So therefore, and uh, with the only thing uh, you know, Jonathan Banks had a weakness. I love the uh egg bowl game in uh, with that 2012 when uh Monk and Dante Moncrief basically kinda exposed. Him. And I, I really hated that for him because I feel like, you know, that's a game we should have won, but they exposed his weaknesses that game. And I feel like when it came to uh Dancler, his, his I feel like Banks' weaknesses uh dancers strength. But that you know what I'm saying that's that's my take on it.
0: All right, so I'm going to throw to AJ. I know, like maybe just analyzing the overall football part is your thing, but AJ, are you looking forward to our good friend Fred, who many many people know, uh, a mutual friend of both me and AJ, is uh, one of well my old college roommate, guy named Fred. He went to Northwest ranking, and that is where Jerry and Jones went. Are you looking forward to hearing from Fred every week about Jerry and Jones and how good he is if he actually goes out there and does well this year? Well, let me
3: tell you something, brother. I think that all Northwest ranking um, prospects are fake news. I'm going to go ahead and go on the record and say that right now. Uh, Hopefully he is not, but typically there are always fake news. I think, you know, I've heard good things about this guy. Um, So regardless of how good he does, um, I'm going to treat him and his Northwest ranking person the same way that I treat, you know, um, Starville High School and A.J. Brown and Willie Gay actually turning out to be decent, you know, even a broken clock is right two times a day. So um, that's all I got to say about it.
0: All right, guys. Um, Derek Thomas now is going to just share a little bit of the news about what's been going on around Bulldog Nation in college and pro sports.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, of course, we know big news is fall campus started, but there are some other news in Bulldog. Nation, uh, let's start out at the Pan Am Games. We had two Bulldogs snap two Pan Am record games record Saturday. Uh, Marco Arab started the party with a gold medal run in the men's 800 meter, crossing the line just after 3 p.m. He had a barely stepped off the podium when Anderson Peters lost the javelin, 87.31 meters on his first attempt in the men's competition. Um, Arab's performance broke a record that has stood for more than a decade. Peters now ranks fifth in the world this season, and Arab is 11th globally. So, congratulations to those Bulldogs. Also, at the Pan Am Games, um, our Vic Schaefer helped coach the uh, United States to another silver medal. Uh, we lost the gold medal game to Brazil, 79 to 73. So, Coach Schaefer has two silver medals to add to his trophy case. And we also had a commitment. I guess you could say we had a commitment. Uh, but a young man from Louisiana uh, committed to our 2021 class, and then he roasted on Twitter that his commitment, his recruitment was still open. So I guess we'll see if we're able to hold on to him. And um, <laughs> I guess we'll see in 2021. And that young man's name is Quincy Brown out of Destrahan. He's a four-star wide receiver. 6'3, 175 pounds. And I guess we'll see if he if we keep holding him at the end of next year. But uh, congratulations to Quincy Brown for joining the Bulldog Foe. And that's the news for the week. All
0: right. So uh as I th- um crap. Um five four three two one. As I said earlier, I decided to table the linebacker uh part of fall camp until the end of the show where we kind of rolled it into the linebacker preview. But just kind of just to recap, like, what's been going on with the linebacker in a sense, not as much. It's kind of like much as what we kind of expected. The linebacker position was expected to be the most talented position on the team. Um, there's some things that kind of maybe a surprise for people. Of course, Willie Gates kind of dealt with some injuries. But it seems like Leo Lewis is kind of coming back into that top linebacker in the nation form that he had a couple years ago when he was an All-SEE freshman. So my thing is with that linebacker position, you know, you have an Aaron Brule and Nathaniel Watson, two guys ready and waiting to get a shot, you know, if somebody was to go down. But, but Derek, what do you think about the fact that Leo Lewis, and some of them seem almost shocked by that, Leo Lewis seems like he, he's finally getting it together. It seems like he's responding to Chris Mars.
1: Well, it took him two years. Um, <laughs> Leo Lewis, we know uh, what he did in high school. You know what he did his redshirt freshman year, and he's kind of been, you know, he's been he's he's been a good linebacker. but He hadn't been a great linebacker. <laughs> um, I want to see him get back to that great linebacker ability that he had his redshirt freshman year because you know you got Willie Gay there um, chomping at the bit to you know make Leo come off the bench, but Willie Gay has been injured, uh, so now you got redshirt freshman in practice backing up uh, Leo Lewis, Brule, and Watson. Leo Lewis needs to step up. He's the senior. uh, Outside of Tim Washington, uh, he's the only senior linebacker that we have. And Tim Washington has been a backup the majority of his career and special teams player. So Leo Lewis is the elder statesman. He's played the most football out of all the linebackers. So it's only fitting that he take his place atop the depth chart for his senior year. I would love to see him become the dominant force that we know he can be on that football field. We need it with our defensive line, you know, kind of uh, coming back with youth. He's the statesman. He needs to take control.
0: So, AJ, what do you think about just like a guy like a Leo Lewis? Do you think like the oh missing truly like a, impacted him? Like as far as like his actual performance? Or do you think it's just he just got it? He maybe wasn't as good as we thought he was.
3: I mean, personally, I think that there's definitely a correlation between – the old Miss situation and his performance going down here, or maybe he just had a slow year last year, but I know that there were points where I didn't even know that he was on a team in all honesty. I, uh, I, I,
0: I can't disagree.
3: Like people thought that he had like transferred and quit the team and everything because he just was like missing. But if you look at the numbers, the numbers weren't necessarily so bad or anything like that. So I would say before we start talking about he a bust and we need to get our ten thousand dollars or however much we allegedly paid him back i would say that we need to go ahead and see what he does this year okay so i still think that he has all the tools and everything but we just need to take a wait and see approach towards leo lewis and um i think that there's enough time to go around for him and willie gay to get shine.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's like a multitude of factors, like you said, with that as far as with Leo Lewis, just not just the old missing. Uh one year he was a guy that was highly rated, all SC freshman. So uh, people expect a lot from him. Then you got like the guy like an Errol Thompson emerged. In the fact, you gotta think that year where he started his second year, you had Jerry Green on one side, Montez Swift, then you had Errol Thompson in there. Uh I forgot who else was starting that because I think Errol Thompson actually was coming off the bench that year. I'm trying to remember who was starting beside him that particularly, Richie Brown, I think. So, was it, no, it was yeah, it was Richie Brown. And then you had a guy like a Jeffrey Simmons. You had some houses. So, it's kind of like, I think he kind of, in some ways, kind of got lost in all of that. So, part that might have been the reason why, you know, a lot of people kind of forgot about him. So, uh, but at the same time, maybe he's kind of getting it together. But I, I do think the Ole Miss thing, in my opinion, did kind of affect him probably more than we realized because I think sometimes we fail to forget sometimes that these are 20- 20 and 21-year-olds and 19-year-olds, in some cases, 18. So it, it's hard to, like, go out there and play when you got people saying all this negative stuff. But some people just ain't mature enough at that stage to really handle all of that. Right, absolutely. So, I can
1: agree with that. I could definitely agree with and think and agree with you guys saying that, you know, the pressure of the old Miss situation, the lawsuit, uh, the just blatant attacks uh, on his character, on his family. Uh, his mom's name being brought in the news, and then to go to school, get your studies, and be a performer on a football field. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Leo Lewis didn't crack. You know, if all that pressure was really getting to him, I mean, if he didn't crack with all that pressure on him, if he's mentally sound, if they, if 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 he, if, if we were to talk to him and he would have really say, yeah, this was bothering me, man. Kudos to you, Leo Lewis, because. I don't know if I could have handled all of that. I mean, he endured a lot, y'all, a lot. Right.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I said, you just got to remember how young those guys are, and when it comes to that. But I mean, at this point, I think people are like shocked and like, "Oh, they're doing Willie Gay wrong." I'm like, "Hey, guys, we know Willie Gay can play. If Leo Lewis is playing, he was actually rated higher." Then Willie Gay coming out of high school. So if he's playing up to form and then you got a guy like Errol Thompson who's only a three star, which is a crime now at this point, if a guy like that as a potential all uh, all American type candidate, hey, that's a good problem to have. Now like with our defensive scheme, they don't all play at the same time. Although I wouldn't be shocked with the coach. I mean, you have to maximize your talent. So there's no way you could just not find a way to get all three of those guys on the field at the same time. But it's a good problem to have, especially when you got freshmen behind them actually they can play as well.
1: When we need to stop the run, we're going to switch to a 4-3 defense with Leo Lewis, Willie Gay, and Eric Thompson all on the field. I mean, you can't play a 4-2-5 against a running team all game long. You're going to have yeah. to match up um, with, with, with beef on beef. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the four two five, yeah, you can stop the run, but when you're going against a, a, a power team, a power running team, I mean, you got to have those four down linemen, them three linebackers ready to thump in there. And don't get me wrong, Brian Cole can thump, but he's still a defensive back. I mean, when you want to stop the front, when you want to stop the run, you need defensive ends, defensive tackles, and linebackers to meet a back in the hole, man. That's, that's what they do. That's what they do. So I have no doubt that we'll see all three of them on the field at the same time. And boy, what a defense that could be with Chauncey Rivers' Um Marquis Spencer, Fabian Lovett, if he rounds in the phone, whatever the defensive tackle rounds in the phone from Lee Archery, and then at linebacker, Leo Lewis, Errol Thompson, Willie Gay, four defensive backs. You got um, Damsler, Smitherman, uh, then slide Brian Cole at safety, and then uh, CJ. So, I mean, man, that's a defensive. You. That's a defense for you, man. I almost cussed. Man, that's a defense for you, man. I mean, if we didn't sure. go base 4-3, I mean, that's a strong defense just like our 4-2-5 is.
0: Yes. So, I mean, right now I definitely think we feel pretty good about that. The defensive side of the football, Mississippi State, maybe not as good as last year because I mean, he lost three first-round draft picks. I mean, you can't really always replace that no matter what school you were at. Well, kind of just to end the podcast, guys, um, not just necessarily a part and shot, but what are you just looking for as we conclude training camp over the next two weeks and get ready for the start of the football season? What are some things you're looking for, Looking the things you're going to be keeping an eye on on offense and defense? And I'll go to A.J. first. What is, like, you're just looking out just for the offense and defense as, like, as we get ready for the football season? Well, let me tell you something, brother. At the offensive position, I'm going to be looking to see who's
3: going to be the quarterback. Did we go with K.T.? Or do we go with Tommy Stevens? Now, I personally feel as though it doesn't matter who is the quarterback. Oh, my God. Because if we don't establish a running game and get Kylin Hill going, and if the wide receivers have more balls going through their hands than Pornhub, it won't matter. (laughs) Now, on the defensive end, let me tell you something over there. For the thousands who are going to be in attendance and the millions watching across the world. How you go from Hawkeye to The Rock? Because I can.
2: <laughs> because
3: <laughs> t- technically it's whoever Buddy was from DX. But anyway, for the thousands who will be in attendance and the millions watching across the world, I think that we will still have a world-class defense. And I think that if we can have the confluence of finding a solid offense and finding or having a elite defense, I would like to predict that I believe that the Bulldogs could possibly only lose one game this year. And maybe that's Bama. I'm I'm tired of Bama at this point, in all honesty, I'm tired of Bama. I'm tired of just assuming that we go lose to them. And, um, Actually, I think that we we were the ones who exposed Tua Tagovailoa, um, Tua Tagovailoa last year as being Mr. Glass. All you gotta do is you know rough him up a little bit, and he's gonna crack. You know, everybody else followed the blueprint that we um, created right. last year. All right, so I think that um if our offense is actually any good and if the wide receivers are at least serviceable, then it's not going to be, you know, that the limit is the sky, but the sky is going to be the limit for the Bulldogs. Now, do I think that's actually going to happen? No, I think we'll find a way to screw
0: it all up. <laughs> this oh, is where we really um, find out what type of coach that, that Morgan is. He, he is starting to put his stamp on the team, I think. And I think he's bringing in so many Juco guys and he's brought in this guy from Penn State. We don't really start to see what Joe Mo really is. He can't. He won't be able to pull as much as the old A. Mooring guys. Now you know this is his team. So Derek, what are you? What are? What are you looking out for? Like on offense and defense.
1: You, I really got to follow up Hulk Hogan and Rock. Like, I mean, come on, man! Those are my two favorite wrestlers of, of, of all time.
3: I like Bret Hart personally. Oh yeah, and HBK. But that's beside the point.
1: I, I've been sitting here trying to think how I can Ultimate Warrior. Arthur's response there. Take some steroids before you talk? But here here is what I want to see. I I just want to see whoever the quarterback is, whether it's KT, Stevens, whether both play, which I think both will play. I just want to see solid quarterback play. I want to see balance in the offense and run game. I do not want a quarterback to have more carries than the running back. Let the running backs run. I want to see consistency with our wide receivers catching the ball and and, 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 and and trying to get yak yards. You know, I want to see our tight ends get involved. I want to see our offensive line dominate at the, at the point of attack. On defense, I want to see our defensive front get sacks. I, I want at least eight sacks from each defensive end, four sacks from each starting defensive tackle. Our linebackers are athletic enough to, to play the run and the pass and also rush the passer. Our secondary, I mean, Cam Danceler, I mean, he's projected to possibly leave this year. I hope he does. I hope he stays. Uh, We have a pretty good secondary this year, which I think is going to be a strength of our team. I just want to see us be in the game, continue to beat the teams that we should beat and then compete with and out-execute the teams that, People think we shouldn't be. I'm okay with Arthur saying that he's tired of us losing the Alabama. I am too. Alabama was wounded. They got injuries after the caboose. I mean, they're not as dominant as they once was. And you can see it in Nick Saban's interviews. And after that, after that whooping that Clemson put on them last year, he knows it. If this is the year for us to get Alabama, this is it. This is the year for us to get them if we're going to get them. Before they get back to where they used to be, where they want to be at, we need to go ahead and slay the elephant, take the ivory ivory off and and, and put it in a bulldog trophy case. You know what I'm saying? Then I also go ahead and whoop up on LSU too if we can. You know, I would love to see uh, our bulldogs take a leap and become elite if this is the year, because Auburn Auburn has talent, but they're not dominant. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher hasn't gotten the ball rolling over there yet. So they're primed to get a win. We beat them last year, and we're about to worry about Ole Miss. I mean, you know, we're going to stomp them in the ground too. I'm with you. I think we could possibly only lose one game, and if we play our card, if Joe Mo makes the right adjustments and attacks the defense, with what they're giving him, and then takes what he wants at times. Man, it's possible we can go eleven and one, and if we out execute Alabama and LSU. Man, I, I pick us to go eight and four, but man, we have we do have the title to beat everybody on our side.
3: Uh, I want to go on the record and say that um, if we manage to not screw up, then I think that that eight and four record it. Some of those teams don't scare me. Like, everybody's talking about Texas A&M, but I feel as though that uh, Jimbo Fisher is overrated. Jimbo Fisher um, ran Florida State into the ground. He knew that what happened last year was going to happen. He abandoned ship and went to Texas a and Texas a and has a choking culture, and I think that I nothing about that has changed. Um, I also feel as though that Auburn. I, I think I
0: know who the who the who Texas AM is as compared to their NBA counterpart, They're the Clippers.
3: Oh yeah, well I, I argue that or the Phoenix Suns back when they had uh Steve Nash and uh what the other guy named Samara Sotomar. Yeah, but Texas a and every year they start out you know undefeated or some crap. And then they have to come to Mississippi and play Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and then they, you know, fade away like a Michael Jordan jump shot. Auburn is a dumpster fire. Um, what 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 buddy name is the the the, the head Jeremy coach Brute? there? Nah, at the Tennessee? head coach at Tennessee nah, nah. Or Auburn? at Auburn at Auburn. Oh, uh, that's zone. Yeah, the, the 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 high school coach, the Springdale coach, or whatever. Auburn. Um. <laughs> He's overrated. Also, he probably should have been fired forever ago. Matter of fact, his dumb a word should have taken the Arkansas job a couple of years ago because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when he's going to get fired at Auburn and he should have taken a um, SEC job, you know, at a place <laughs> where he coached it. And he could have been a god, but no, you want to stay at Auburn LSU. Um, Coach O is still the guy. Who um, took his shirt off at Ole Miss And had them talking about Ole Miss wild boys and stuff He can't coach his way out of a wet paper bag Um, Joe Burrow is probably like Okay at best Um, They don't scare me Like At all
0: I I, Uh, I think what you see there With with those teams, AJ They're living off their name uh, Yeah, yes um, I mean, and I he think
1: does he does have he's, John Emory Jr. Uh, and he, I
0: don't even yeah, know yeah, who that think, is. But. Yeah, God, we lost out in the recruiting battle for it. But at I the mean, same time, like, I, that's kind of like, even though that's kind of the thing, Ricardo, and I had to, for some reason I find myself agreeing with Ricardo a lot more lately. But uh, uh, I, so. I don't know why. But uh, he's kind of right, like our fan mindset, that defeatist mindset. Because you really look at our schedule and you compare what our defense is bringing back and I think they get caught up on the fact that we don't have a bunch of four- or five-star guys that are – we have a lot more than probably people realize. We have a bunch of those big-name recruits, so, but a lot of our guys are performing above that. So are you really tripping that Or Errol Thompson wasn't a four- or five-star guy? Like he's our best linebacker. He was rated lower than Willie Gay and Leo Lewis, actually by a lot. I mean, he didn't even get recruited by his home state school. So you really have to think about that, or schools. Um, so you really have to think about that. So I think a lot of our fans, when you really look at our our, our schedule – outside of alabama who by the way they're losing they've lost a lot of coaches as of late um they five-star freshman running back who is expected to at least be third on the depth chart and provide some depth he's likely gonna miss the whole season so there's some chinks there and i, I just i think i just read where they lost another guy for the season so well you, you. keep going no i was gonna say uh but yes uh like I think that's like if you look at our whole schedule. Those are the only teams, like the only team that really you say, okay, that's probably a, a loss. I mean, like as you said, AJ, uh, Texas A&M, LSU, Auburn. Um, those teams they don't really scare me. I, I Like I heard people say, like potential upsets for this, this, and this team. Like why would LSU be upset? Where where are they better than us? Like just uh, assuming Tommy Stevens or KT steps up and become a pretty good quarterback, or is Joe Burr better than either one of those guys? Is Kyle, do they have a running back better than Kyle Hill? And you can argue receiver, considering how bad our receiver position has been in the last couple of years. Right. Our Offense line is pretty. Our offensive line is pretty strong. Our defensive line is uh, on the interior is pretty inexperienced, but they're you know they're pretty talented. And then a linebacker, you can argue that we might have one of the best linebacker cores in the SEC. Well, where so Well, go ahead. Here's
3: the thing that I'm thinking. There used to be a time, like let's say back when I first got, when we first got to Mississippi State where the team was just a ragtag group of guys where, you know, they just look like regular old dudes and stuff like that. And then let's say when Mullen came in, you started having football players who were, you know, moral physical specimens and stuff like that. But at the same time, when Mississippi state got on the field to go against an Alabama or an LSU, like, they had a whole team of guys who were just, like, you know, physical freaks. And Mississippi State might have, like, one of those guys. We might have, like, a a Chris Jones or Gary Green, somebody who, like, how do you say, somebody who passes the eyeball test. But I think that as the years have gone on, we've stopped being just a ragtag group of guys, and you look across the team as a whole, and you start Mm -hmm. seeing guys who are, you know, physical freaks and they're talented and things like that. So to me I feel as though that the um like where there were years where the talent gap and you know the physical gap like they just had better Bobbies and Joes than us. I don't think yeah. that this is your dad or your older brother's Mississippi State anymore. So well, I, I don't well, the, the, the name on a jersey don't you know how when Kroon was there, they had a sports psychologist come in and talk to the team and they found that they were so used to losing to LSU that whenever LSU scored, they would just like automatically give up because they were so used to losing to them that they just accepted it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that all that right. type of stuff is over with.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think I think the thing you should look at what Mullen changed I think compared to like a Chrome and I try not to go back to Maine. I'm, both of us remember that AJ. Um, yeah, we it, was there know, together. Is those it's those type of things? Um, we're we're since mulling when mulling came in, and now of course with Moorhead, we don't lose the teams anymore that we should be like. We don't lose to those type of teams anymore. Like they're not saying we're going to be ten and 0 every year, but we a uh, team South every year. Alabama. So yes we had one, but for the most part, we never lost to a team under the mother era for the most part that we were supposed to be. And it's kind of like, you know, I think we win more in warmups now. I mean, when you, like you said, you have more of those guys, like a Jeffrey Simmons. I remember seeing him in high school. Like he, I was like, yeah, he's definitely the one you want walking off the bus first. And I think we win more of those games like that. So I kind of remember like when I was a kid, you know, I'm from Knoxville County and Knoxville County had a really good girls team for some years. And I used to remember how you could go out there on warm-ups and you could see the look on other girls' faces knowing not to be, like, just watching them in warm up. They were, like, that good.
1: those teams you with Rosalind was she on what? some of those teams, Rosalind
0: Span? Oh, yeah, Rosalind, yeah, she was on uh, a lot of those teams. I remember her when I was a kid. I actually met her. I actually knew her as an adult, so it was kind of weird. But, uh... But, yeah, Roslyn's fan was on those teams. Like, she was – I remember, man, like how Roslyn and them – I mean, they snowbirded a lot. But, I mean, you pretty much – like, they get the ball, and they were already down the court. I mean, they were so dominant at that time when a couple – I think my dad told me they won, like, maybe three state championships. At, uh, around that time, I remember we used to go to tournaments. But the thing is, like, they, when they came on the court at that time, like, Knoxley was literally that good. Like, they, you would see them on the court, and you could see the look on the other team's faces, and you you knew, like, they, they pretty much were going really? to Yeah, like, you just knew it. Like, they were going to dominate. I mean, they were so good back then. I hate to, to take a bit of a departure from institution football, but I'm making that analogy of now that we've kind of changed. We we were not on Knoxville as a football team as compa- compared to what they were as a basketball team at that time. I think they might have been one of the best teams in the nation. Like, they were that type of good um, but I mean, they were so good back then. People don't understand like people left after the girls game. That's how good they were. Um, but back to Mississippi state sports. Um, I think that's been the shift for Mississippi state. We're at least our team that's consistently, even though we don't always get picked outside of being last in SEC some years, we have consistently now become at least a seven, eight win team. Now, can we make that leap to that level where we're a 10 win team consistently? With, uh, like a LSU, they always find a way to be a 10-win team. Like, they have an off year or two, but they're normally consistently a team at least a 10-win team. Can we make that leap and jump into that upper echelon? That's the thing we really have to see. So, um, go ahead. I agree with you. All right, so just kind of end the show. Guys, just uh, – and I'll let AJ close it out. Um, so, first, Derek, then I'll go. So, Derek, just uh, – you have anything left uh, to say to the board Nation?
1: Man, just y'all just check us out, man. Support the Bulldogs, support the Black Dog Sports Podcast. I mean, we do this for you guys, you know, so you can have uh, the black voice. You can hear the black voice talking about Mississippi State sports. Uh, we we create this show for uh, the Black Bulldog fan. All right. So
0: uh, just for me, guys, like I'm just decided, you know, I had we had, had to call the or uh, since AJ was having some um internet issues, and I hosted a show, I've hosted a podcast before, so, you know, uh, but at the same time, I'm really just excited right now, just as the season gets close, and us having this podcast, and I know it's a void in the MSU Sports right now, it was weird, a friend of mine even asked, like, why we haven't done the podcast in a while the other day, so, you know, I'm excited just to be able to deliver that content, and especially now the football season's drawn upon us, like, being able to maybe do some game recaps, and being able to fill that void, you don't have the Brandon Walkers or anything like that right now. And I'm glad that we have an opportunity to fill that void, you know, for the MSU fan base. So, you know, that's what I'm most excited about in L State. And I'll let AJ close the show out. Uh,
3: Yeah. So, you know, I kind of been a little bit busy between my uh, cabinet-making class and the school (laughs) year starting back. And then, you know, um, my nurse base – Hot Girl Summer came to a premature end. So, um, you know, um I I was having to deal with that a little bit. But yeah, um, you know, it was it was just really good to be on the other side tonight. Instead of me having to deal with all of that holster malarkey, I got to give hot takes and I gotta be honest with you, um, it felt pretty good. I had to step down from Mount Olympus, you know, today and deal with the common folk. But I suspect that the next time that I'll um Actually, no. I actually have something to say. Um, Next week, we may or may not, probably though, have our first ever all-female episode. So, we're going to have all-female panelists. I'm going to try to get one of the uh, young ladies from the Black Dolls Matter group to do the uh, editing. And it is going to be differs. So, in the words of Vic Schaefer, our women's basketball furor, uh, praise the Lord and go dogs. And since Ricardo isn't here, I'm going to go ahead and finish this from last week. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, knick-knack, <laughs> whack give a dog a bone, two thousand zero zero party over, oops, out of time, my bacon. It's smelling fine. K-Bye!